and welcome to the Live and Love Like Jesus podcast, where we talk about pursuing a lifestyle of complete dependence on God, how to grow and multiply yourself, and how to demonstrate the good news of Jesus. I'm Adrienne Gregorich, and this is part two of our discussion on the book Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. Yeah, and I'm Andy Tier, and as a refresher, the concept of Sacred Pathways is that there are nine spiritual temperaments that God creates in human beings so that we can connect and worship with Him in unique ways. In our last episode with Paul Lingy, we talked about those pathways in greater detail and gave more of a broad overview of the book. And in this episode, I sat down with two of our worship leaders, Bree Bondurant and Chris Hirsch, and we talked about their own worship styles and how those styles changed or ebb and flow throughout different seasons in their life. And before we get started, because Chris and Bree mentioned some of these different temperaments throughout the interview, we wanted to go ahead and give you a quick overview of each one of them. You can also find the temperaments and a brief description of each one on our website in the show notes at cccgo.com forward slash podcasts. All right. So the first one of those temperaments is naturalists. Naturalists love God best outdoors. These people, they worship God in the midst of God's creation. They celebrate His majesty and discover spiritual truths through nature. And then the second one is sensates. Sensates love God through their senses. Um, They use sights like, you know, art and sounds like music, smells, and more. The third is traditionalists. Traditionalists love God through their religious rituals and symbols. These people worship through traditions and sacraments of the church. They believe structure, repetition, and rigidity, like weekly liturgy, leads to deeper understanding of God and faith. So number four is ascetics. They love God in solitude and simplicity. These people worship through prayer and quiet time and just the absence of all outside noise and distraction. Number five is activists. They love God through confrontation, fighting for godly principles and values. They worship through their dedication to and participation in God's truth about social causes. Six are caregivers. They love God by serving others and worship by giving of themselves. They may nurse the sick and disabled, adopt a prisoner, donate time at a shelter, etc. Number seven is enthusiasts. Enthusiasts love God through mystery and celebration. These people worship with outward displays of passion and enthusiasm. They love God with gusto. And eight is contemplatives. Contemplatives love God through adoration. These people worship by their attentiveness, deep love and intimacy, and they have an active prayer life. Number nine is intellectuals. Intellectuals love God with their mind and their hearts are opened up to a new attentiveness when they understand something new about God. These people worship through intense study, apologetics, and intellectual pursuits of their faith. And please note that we are a mixture of these. We rarely rely on a single approach or temperament to connect with God every time. So we are more likely to be a mix of several. And also these temperaments change. Uh, as we talk with Chris and Bree, we'll see that their spiritual temperaments evolve over time, much like couples love each other differently at different parts of their marriage. So we are likely to find different ways to connect with God during our lifetime. So now that we've got all that covered, Here's Adrian's interview with Chris Hirsch and Bree Bondurant. So I'm here with Chris and Bree. 
Welcome to the Live and Love Like Jesus podcast. Why don't you guys just start out by introducing yourselves and uh, yeah, letting us know about you know where you're from, what's your family situation, and your job. All right, I'll be the gentleman and go first. Uh, my name is Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher J. Hirsch. And uh, my job is, I'm not sure what the title is anymore, but um, I do worship stuff <laughs> at the church with music stuff. Uh, so basically, I get the fun really fun job of like if it involves music in our weekend services it's just like my whole world so um that's what i do i have a wife named lisa and three kids and oh. was that the whole question Anything yeah that's, yeah no that's cool. it <laughs> i'm brie bondrant and uh i am the worship director at crossroads and my husband is andrew he's family ministry pastor um, and we've got a little, a little guy who's three years old named Abe and, um, yeah, that's us. My kids are Lucy, Adeline and Grayson, by the way. They're pretty legit. They are pretty cute. Did <laughs> <laughs> you say they're way better? Never. I would never say that. I will tell Abe. <laughs> I'll let Abe know what you think of him. <laughs> So Chris, okay, so we're here talking about um, our sacred pathways. This is part two of um, a two-part series that we're, we're discussing this book, Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. And so Chris, you are actually the person that brought this book to our attention. Um, so why don't you tell us about your journey with this book and why you started reading it and all of that. Uh, yeah, so um, we lovingly uh, were joking earlier that I'm the uh, biblical scholar that's been <laughs> studying this book for 12 years um, because <laughs> I started reading it with my wife about 12 years ago. Um, and we and we, we read it. We got pretty well into it and kind of got a, a bit of an understanding to it. And then I came back to it again. Um, I revisited it just not too long ago, like within the, within the year, um, because I'll tell you why in a minute. But yeah, so originally we started um, into it, surprisingly enough, because Paul Lingy, he he uh, introduced the concept of sacred pathways in our staff chapel service, just kind of talking about like there's different ways that different people experience God. And I was like, oh, man, it like kind of like sparked my interest in creativity. Um, and so Lisa and I, uh, we like to like each buy a book and go sit somewhere this was before kids. So we would like to go get, <laughs> each get a book, go sit somewhere, read a chapter, underline stuff, talk through it. Um, and so we did that with this book. And then um, not too long ago this year, uh, we were kind of challenged as a staff to kind of consider um, a reset day, like where we engage with God and, and, you know, just set a day aside like once a month and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I came back to this book as just kind of a refresher for you know, how I can engage God basically. Cool. So if you are the expert, the 12 year expert, <laughs> Brie okay. is the yeah, well, uh, just, 12 uh, minute. <laughs> I am the 12, the 12 minute, minute <laughs> Since you just finished reading this book. Uh, Literally but, like five minutes ago. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I've been reading it over the course of a month. I didn't just skim it guys. So in the midst of a quarantine, you've <laughs> kind of been on your own journey, I believe with just worship and worship in the home because worshiping at the church building, um, has kind of been thrown out the window in the last couple of months. So yeah. can you just talk about your own journey with 
with that? Yeah, I, I'd say I worship so differently at home than I would in a corporate setting. I was just in reading this book, even I think like probably in a corporate setting, I identify more with an enthusiast than I do anything else. Just this like idea of like outward display of like passion, enthusiasm, this gusto kind of thing. Like I love, I love like that, like rally cry of worship, uh, like singing in a corporate setting. Um, but at home I'm much more, is it, ascetic i've heard it said different ways I, I think it's ascetic christian pinner and i were listening to it on the google and uh i'm still not convinced she was saying ascetic but whatever mm -hmm. you know who knows uh between that and like the contemplative like i'm much more um just sitting still before the lord uh kind of person and so like yeah even recording at uh from home we did some recording uh, for worship services at home. And that was, that was honestly like hard for me. It was super, it put me in a really like vulnerable position of like, Hey, record yourself having some just quiet time with the Lord. Like I got really in my head about it. And so that was like an interesting thing for me, but honestly, like uh, this whole season of just being a uh, dispersed people uh, that, isn't meeting corporately together in the same place at the same time has been interesting. We've been, you know, we try to think about the way we develop services through the lens of um, developing that one hour to affect the other hours of our week. And now we are currently meeting people in their everyday day-to-day -day lives. And so it's just caused us to think about all these other ways of worshiping the Lord throughout the week and how can we even engage those um, avenues in a way that we can't really do in the corporate setting. And so, yeah, so it's just kind of got us brainstorming and thinking and asking these like higher level questions even of like, what is a church service? What, what do we want to accomplish in that hour time together? And yeah, I like those questions. Yeah, especially as people have been experiencing this screen fatigue. So it's yeah. like you've also got this extra level of teaching people to worship without you, like, you know, essentially in front of them. So they have mm -hmm. to lead their own worship, which is really interesting. Right. Just trying to put the yeah. ball in their court as much as we can and saying like, we are all pursuers of God and we can read scripture together as families, as individuals, as you know, wherever we are, we can uh, pray to the Lord on our own and hear from him on our own. Um, and so, yeah, just as much as we can, like, yeah, to even help with that screen fatigue problem that you mentioned, Adrian, just trying to get people to be able to look away from their screen and um, engage with the Lord and um, with whoever they're with has been interesting. So, yeah. So you talked a little bit about what your pathways were or your spiritual temperaments. Chris, what are yours? Actually, one of the concepts in the book, like talks about how they can change. And mm -hmm. so uh, um, over this past time that I came to it um, was a little different Um so before kids and before, uh, not that my life was uh, void of stress and busyness, but um, I think before it would have been like really high on the naturalist, 
Um, and it still is. I'm still, I still get super fueled by being in creation and just like getting overwhelmed with the complicated and beautiful and powerful when it's like walking through a forest or standing at the, at the shore or on a mountain, like all those things I, and all those things inspire, I think like the artistic side of me, but lately I think more than that has, has been the sensate, like finding God through art. And I think in the book, there was one spot where like, there was this little example of a person who was like locked away by himself for all of a winter season. And he, he was like, he found solace in a painting, like just a painting. He imagined being, it was, I think it was of a tree. Um, like he imagined being there. He like imagined, um, all the different attributes, like the things that it could teach him about who God is and how strong he is, all those different things. And, and I really connect with that. I think like with visual art and with like music, how much it makes me feel, whether there's lyrics or not. Um, so I think like sensate and then naturalist, and then there's like this tiny bit of me that's starting to like learn a little bit more and appreciate traditionalist, like surprising. <laughs> I think like that's one of the things I think with youth, I would just be like, ah, all the stuff we got to do because we're supposed to do it. We shouldn't do it. And like, I think just as I get older and as I, I explain things to my kids, I'm like, oh, this is what this is. And this is why we do it. And then I'm like, I kind of appreciate more what it is and why we do it. And so the ritualistic kind of things that come with tradition or, and, and religion, I think like they're starting to have at least some, um, a little bit more bearing, I think, in the way I connect to God. That is so interesting. Traditionalists. It's because of like history. It's like the huh. idea of learning, like, why was this ever done? And like, why do we do it now? I think it's like that is so intriguing. returning the like um, the meaning or like or returning the purpose back into those rituals is what like I'm interested in finding out. Yeah. OK, I could. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And. And even, I think it might even be something that's our generation is kind of looking back mm. to those liturgical yeah. elements and they're becoming more and more uh, appealing. Even to me, like you're saying, Chris, it's just like all of a sudden you're like, why do I like this? And and even in our conversations as a staff or even as a team for weekend worship, you know, planning things like the daily office has come up. And so it's just interesting how maybe even as cultures, we could adopt something like this. Um, and it does talk about that in the book that there's like kind of pitfalls to that of saying like, okay, here, this is the way we need to do it. And, and almost like these pathways are part of, of like why churches worship the way that they do. Um, and then you can get, pigeonholed but this book is kind of bringing back we talked about it a lot in the first episode of the sacred pathways is that there's a lot of freedom in reading this of like okay i don't have to if i'm not yeah. getting something out of this certain worship aspect i can explore something else yeah i think the way he put it at one point was like instead of thinking uh, it's like the difference between okay, whatever this thing is, is good for that person. Instead of thinking it's good for nobody. It's kind of like mm. not making a theological point out of 
something where the Bible is neutral about and saying like, well, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work for me, so it shouldn't happen. Instead of that, it's like, okay, I appreciate that it doesn't work for me or that's not the way I engage with God, but it works for that other person. So cool. Yeah. Like we don't need to abolish it. (laughs) So do you, do you feel like yours have evolved or changed over a course of a couple of years? I know that you, these concepts are fairly new to you, but maybe now in thinking about them, uh, do you think that's changed? Yeah, I, I would say that I have always probably identified with probably the ascetic, ascetic, and contemplative, like there's always been that underlying thing. Um, I would say I started like really strongly leaning into more of that like intellectual um, identifying like a lot with that form, um, that pathway in particular, probably through college. I am always a person that can't help but ask the question why and to a fault sometimes. And so I like I think it was probably in college that I started to see um, and really uh, appreciate like so it's interesting. I'm a 21 both for traditionalists and intellectuals. If you're like just take the test on where you fall on all of these, I scored 21 on both of those. And it was probably in college that I started to really appreciate and see the significance of like, um, the words that we sing, they matter. Um, and so not only do we want to be like, obviously theologically correct in the things that we sing, but, um, also make sure that we're singing something, uh, worthwhile, you know, it's, um, that um, there's some depth to it. Um, so I, I think that was something that changed uh, changed in me probably in college. And um, I can look back and like, even in reading through this book, I could look back at seasons of my life where I was like, yeah, I probably leaned in more into like the naturalist in this season, or I leaned more heavily into like that caregiver mode in this season when I wasn't like leading worship as much like in corporate settings. I probably, yeah. So it's just in different stages of life. Yeah. I could see where I would like have more of a bent towards one pathway or the other. Something you, you both actually said, Brie, you were talking more about uh, worship or corporate worship. And then Chris, you were more talking about like quiet time. And so I'm trying to think of like the, our idea of quiet time is like <laughs> spending this hour of study at some point during the day, preferably in the morning, you know, like, um, but then when we think of, you know, spending time with God, by ourselves, we kind of all kind of default to that, that quiet time. But then we think of, I'm going to spend some time worshiping the Lord that is going to be at church in an hour. So like, how do you guys see these two things, like almost taking them apart and then making them both a little bit more worshipful, practical, you know, like what's kind of the balance between that? Um, I think the first thing that makes me think of um, was the way he put it was like a spiritual diet. Like if you're brought up, um, depending on where you're born and then like what, what, uh, traditions and religions you're born into, like there's a good chance that you are brought up on someone else's spiritual diet. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. you're taught, like you said, like, like engaging with God means a five, 15 minute, 
half hour, whatever, quiet time. And that's like an intellectual thing. It's like a studious, quiet, solitary thing. And I think like, I'll just be like my whole life. <laughs> that's been like my hmm. just enemy almost. I just, um, I know that there is need for that kind of quiet study. But um, I think uh, I've always just dealt with like, I don't like being alone. I like being with people and I like being with friends and like making people laugh and seeing what other people think and um, bouncing ideas off of each other and all that kind of stuff. And so the quiet time being alone as the only way was always just like a frustrating thing. And so I think like being all right with knowing um, that was just like a, a really easy teachable thing that I think the book said sometime in the seventies was just like a, out of a specific movement came this like, easy way to teach people to, you know, study, um, study the Bible and pray and, and kind of personal reflect and worship. But I think like the balance comes when you, when you kind of recognize the ways that most impact me, I'll say me, I, I find the most balance when, um, when I get to experience the ways that, that I encounter God, but then I'm challenged to engage in ways that I don't do it naturally. So like the, the outdoors thing, like I've taken a couple of my, those reset days and I've been alone for them outside and it's hard. Like, <laughs> like even though I love nature and everything, I'm like, I'm not really enjoying this unless I'm enjoying it with someone. And then I had to be like, well, wait, I'm with someone. I'm with the one who made it. And so it's just like, when it comes to what, to me, what like, communion with God or like being with God and what worshiping God and praising God, all those different things. Like I feel like the balance is not a thing for me that I, that I feel like I have attained or maybe even will attain. I think it's just like, as soon as I feel like, Oh, this is the way I do it. I'm just going to keep doing this. That might be when I fool myself into thinking like, um, I've got it figured out. And so right now for me anyways, like, the contemplative, intellectual, um, those would be like low on my spirit. <laughs> like uh, those things I'm like, okay, I yeah. know that I'm not going to try to do that every day or like even the words quiet time. Like I started doing this since I'm home with, with my seven year old. Um, we've started doing Bible study time. I like won't even call it quiet time. I like... <laughs> Like, okay, she has like a little adventures Bible, whatever. And like, let's pick a verse and like read it. And like, what do the words mean? Do you understand the words? And like, pray about it, make it a prayer, like, help me understand this. But like, now how can we apply it? Like, mm -hmm. even just the way I'm teaching her is helping reteach myself. Like, oh, if this doesn't engage me, it might engage her. And I don't know. I think it's just a constant bending and flex and with with what you should expect to ex to experience in a building with a bunch of people some people might like walk out of a service like just on a super high and some people might walk out like drained but i think um i think all of us should be looking for the ways that yeah like we want to most identify the ways that we can connect to god but don't just stop there. Don't just assume like, well, the traditional stuff just wasn't made for me. Like, 
God doesn't really want to talk to me through a ritual. And then you're closing yourself off to who knows what, you know? That's good. Bree, did you have any thoughts on that? So there's two thoughts. Like on the one hand, it's just like in reading this book, it is eye opening to see that there are so many ways Mm -hmm. to engage with uh, the Lord and to express our love for him. And he desires all of it. And so it is this constant, like being mindful of the fact that the Lord is, he is such a big God and um, we cannot put him into these little boxes that we, that we identify with most. And so it's just keeping an open mind to the way that the Lord has wired people differently. So I would say that. And then um, also just saying, you know, we are, we're just, we're missing out if we, you know, segment worship to like one facet of our week that uh, it's like this place that we go to and we a function that we uh, take part in um, one, one portion of our week, because, you know, the Lord wants this relationship with us and he's constantly present. He's constantly speaking, constantly moving and you know, and yeah, just thinking about, we miss out so much if we, if we do like just pigeonhole it to one portion of the week, um, rather than seeing, trying to pursue and figure out what are, what are these pathways for me and how can I like structure my week in such a way that like, I, I do have that outlet to like fill back up spiritually each day. I don't know if that's kind of what you were asking, but it was just something that I thought of when you said that. Yeah. So that brings me into talking about different spiritual temperaments, uh, with your family spouses. Do you guys know if your spouses have different ones or similar ones? Let's talk about that. We are definitely different in every way. My wife and I (laughs) like personality profiles, uh, you name it. Um, but we do share the naturalist part. And so that's pretty cool. Um, the times when we've gotten to like be outdoors together and then sharing it with our kids. I think that's really special, but I would say she probably leans more toward the intellectual. Um, she likes, she likes to know truth and facts and, and concepts where I'd like to experience and feel the concepts, you know, like, um, so I think we both pretty well would say we experience God pretty differently. Um, but it's kind of nice cause we learn from each other, obviously, but yeah. Yeah. I'd say the same for Andrew and I, Andrew is very much an intellectual. Um, I mean, if you visit our home, not really right now, but, uh, or if you visit our office, uh, his office, he just has so many books, um, <laughs> so many books. Um, and he, like, I've noticed with him, he's like, like knows these truths about God. They are foundational for him. They're the things that he can stand on. And, um, and I, I mean, I identify a lot with that. We love to read books together. Um, we try to, we try to be intentional to do that and just be able to have like discussions around, um, around what we're reading. Um, but I, 
I don't know. Like, I don't know if he would. I mean, we tend to try to wake up early before Abe gets up and just have like time reading together. But um, I are just reading together, but separate. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know if he would say he like identifies much with like the uh, contemplative kind of, definitely not contemplative because I'm reading words like deep love intimacy that's probably not Andrew Bondurant but aesthetic that like quiet time prayer like he loves that what's interesting is Abe is very much a people person and loves just activity and so he like will have prayer time as a family or something and he is just not about it (laughs) right now like he's not about sitting down to read a bible story or pray together like he which he's three like granted (laughs) three-year-olds are just on the go but like we're like we're just trying to think about like different ways to engage him like as he's on the move when he like when we're together just having fun like what are ways that we can just say like Abe, what are you thankful for dude like do you know, like God made this, like, can we just like thank him for like, he made these flowers that you're like digging through right now. And just trying to think of different ways to engage him and like to help him to be mindful on the go or with like people or he is, I mean, we can already tell he is uh, very mindful of people. I don't know if that will turn him into like caregiver or whatnot. My granted, he is three, but he is yeah, he just loves people and he notices things. And so just trying to lean in and like uh, help him even in that is, has been cool. He also loves dance parties. So we have worship dance parties in our home a lot, uh, which is cool. So, you know, for what it's worth, like the um, personality profiles, like understanding what your personality is, like apart from your spiritual profile, whatever, but like, I think those can be really informing too. Like, I think something that I've come to know myself about myself um, really is, and I I don't see it. I don't know. I'm not sure if there's like a pathway that's specifically related to it, but community, like we haven't been able to be in a small group for a while. And obviously, you know, we're not worshiping together at church with like lots of people, um, but like the community at the communal aspect of like engaging with God, I think like is really significant for some people. I think for some people it's exhausting. Like for some people it's like, it will inhibit, you know what I mean? Um, Maybe their, their engagement. But I think like understanding your personality profile, like the whatever Myers-Briggs or Enneagram or any of those, like they can kind of shed some light sometimes too on um, just kind of understanding how you engage too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bree, you talked a little bit about engaging your whole family. And so I wanted to kind of pick both of your brains, especially Chris, since you and Lisa are so opposite, just how do you, especially in this time when everyone's at home all the time, just kind of make space for your own individual worship, but also involving your family in that, especially with different kind of personality types and stuff. Um, I will say like, and we haven't been like, uh, super committed every day about this, but we've done a couple times the, um, 
pray at 616 thing that we've been doing. It's like the 40 days of prayer. Um, part of it is like committing, trying to commit to praying at 616, either AM or PM because of Jeremiah 616. And just like asking God for clarity on how we can live in love like Jesus. And so like, that's been one of the things that it's only been a handful of times, but it's always during dinner. And we had for a while, we had Alexa, like having an alarm go off. And, it, and we'd be like, oh, that's our reminder to pray. And so like, it was just, I think with, with kids, especially young kids, like a three-year-old and a seven-year-old, uh, it's like, like Bree said for me and for us as a family, it's like any little thing, like there's no deep theological truth that they're <laughs> going to get from it, but they're getting like, oh, it's important to mom and dad that we pray about. And, and like, we, we don't use the churchy language when we try to pray. It's like, God help us to know how to love people like you do. And, and those are the prayers that we start to hear them say. So like, I think those little things, um, like bedtime, obviously, I think a lot of people would say that, but like family wise, oh, and I will say too, since we've been home doing church every, whatever, sometimes it's Saturday, sometimes it's Sunday, but like we watch the preschool worship on YouTube, like the kids church stuff for Adeline. And we all do everything, like we all sing the songs and we all like engage in what the questions are. And then we watch the elementary school one and we all do. Mm -hmm. So like we all are kind of like we don't we don't like always try to make them sit through ours because it's a little harder. But uh, (laughs) but just as a family, like those are those are kind of ways since we've been home um, that we've been able to like engage as a family personally. Mm That might be one of the things that's struggling a little right now is like, you know, getting time like alone where I can like focus on something that's just like study or in my brain. I think that's like just being transparent. That's where I'm like, okay, like I got just, there's just kids always around, always. They're always here. There's Mm -hmm. nowhere to go without them. What do we do? How do we do? So that's something I'm like just kind of trying to figure out. For sure. I I feel like for this, this time, like I've always been a naturalist, but it's more been those mountaintop experiences where it's like, yeah, the, the reset day is like, I'll go spend the day in the woods and I'll come out of it, you know, this new person and, and, and like this huge thing. But now it's like, I am craving alone time and, but I don't want to just sit in my house and be alone where I used to. So now it's like, Hey, give me 30 seconds or 30 minutes. You know, you, you, you watch <laughs> yeah, 30 seconds yeah. <laughs> to run outside and breathe in the air and run back in. <laughs> that, would, that would be like more like real quarantine. We can't leave our houses. No, but 30 minutes to just like, thankfully we live really close to Wesselman woods. And so just pop over there, go on a little hike or sit in the woods for a minute and and then kind of recharge and, and come back. And those, so it's more like I've actually adopted the naturalist in more of my daily routine rather than like once a month type of thing. And so it's just interesting how this time is, is changing all of our patterns. Yes. We're ready to wrap up. I think that's all the questions I have. Do you guys have anything else that you kind of want to end with or talk about that we haven't talked about chris is thinking pretty hard over there i think he's got a little nugget i know i think so too uh, <laughs> i don't know if if you've hung if you've hung with us and been listening this long um thank you 
and here's the nugget. <laughs> just read the book. It's really good. Um, give like I would just say I give it a chance. All the ones that you feel like you read page after page, and you're like, no, this is definitely not me. Don't skip the chapter like I did, and I had to come back to it. Like read it and like at least wrap your brain around it. If for anything, like you can at least understand the person who might be like your spouse like that might totally be who they are like i don't know i think like uh there's just so much to be gained from understanding how other people experience the world and experience god instead of just like me this is what i do this is what i want this is who i am this is what i should get um i don't know i I think like more and more compassion can be derived from just Mm -hmm. caring a little bit how anybody else operates so that's great. Oh, that's the nugget. That was a good nugget. Was. We sifted for that. <laughs> no, awesome. truly, I am. That's good. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps us up. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Yeah. Today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. See ya. Thank you so much, Adrian, for taking the time to speak with them and then bring that to us here uh, at the Live and Love Like Jesus podcast. I know I wasn't there, but listening to the episode, what I really appreciated was like kind of towards the end, really, where Chris talked about how his personality and uh, his personality type plays into and kind of points towards his uh, spiritual temperament as well. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and I also liked what Chris said at the very end is that we just encourage you to read the book. So that wraps up our part two discussion on Sacred Pathways. This is an awesome book just to read with your spouse or family to encourage conversations on relating to God. I know discussions in my own home about this book have sparked some creative ideas for us and just opened the door to even having these conversations. Yeah, these have been two fantastic episodes and there are links to the book in our show notes. Again, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this episode of the podcast has encouraged you to go be the church and live and love like Jesus.